Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. So glad that you're here. Uh, excited to be with you. I know this is a uh, kind of a wild season that we're living in right now. Yesterday, we spent the day, uh, many of us, at a funeral for Ricky Tejada. Pastor Ricky Tejada was a, um, was a hero to me, is a hero to me. And uh, he tragically died of COVID-19. And it's, um, it's horrible. Guys, the world we're living in right now, it's horrible. And the beautiful news Ricky Tejada is in paradise. Ricky Tejada is more alive than he's ever been. Uh, Ricky is not suffering. He's not sad. He finished his race, and his life was not in vain. His life made a massive difference. It made a massive difference in many of you. And if any of you have been affected by my life, his life affected my life in a, in a powerful way. I want to encourage you, and as we walk through this series, and as we walk through this message today, I'm going to challenge you as the people of God to join me uh, in a specific assignment that the Lord is giving me uh, to do over the next 21 days. I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. But first, I want to just take a moment. I want to pray as a, as a congregation. Uh, I want to pray specifically for God to release his miraculous power among us. We have uh, one of our sweet volunteers, Lacey Pike, is fighting right now with COVID, and she's had a fever for 100, or 100 over, over 100 degrees for over 10 days. And uh, her oxygen levels are struggling, and, and we need to pray, guys. We need to fight. We need to pray. Um, we're not called to live in fear at all. Uh, we should live in wisdom, but we're not called to live in fear. Uh, I want to encourage you, boost your immune system, take your vitamins. Everybody knows vitamin C, D, zinc, all these different things. Boost yourself up. Be smart, but don't walk in fear. Walk in power. Walk in the authority of the Holy Spirit. Amen? There are story after story after story. Come on, give the Lord a hand. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Story after story of heroic missionaries. Story after story of heroic men and women of God. That in the middle of massive global and, and continental plagues, instead of running away, ran to and took care of people. And God supernaturally protected them. And God will supernaturally protect us as well. And guess what? If any of us go home, we win. Understand that? If we go home, we win. It's not a failure to finish your course on this earth. Now, I want to stretch mine out a bit if I can. But God knows every single day, every moment, every breath that each one of us have. My father is 83 years of age, Ken Scrivener, my natural father. And he's been fighting and battling with some heart situations. He's got a procedure this week um, to get a new valve on his heart that is critical to his uh, longevity of life. And uh, my dad's battled this for a long time. Both of my grandfathers died in their late 50s because of heart conditions. So it is something that has been a, a trait on both sides of my family. And my father has outlived for a couple decades now uh, his father's. And... Um, and I just want to encourage you. My, my dad gave me a word that the Lord gave him. He was in prayer, and he said, Father, how many 
days do I have left? How many beats does my heart have left? And the Lord answered him with one word, enough. Enough. God's grace and God's ability for you to win, succeed, overcome, and fulfill his purpose in life is absolutely set. He is more than enough for you. Amen? He's more than enough for you. Will you join me in praying? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come together as the people of God. We come together as your children, your sons and your daughters. We come together as those who are people of faith. God, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by what you declare, and we hold on to your word, and we know that you are a God of miracles. We know that you are a God of power and authority. We know that you are a God that releases your favor upon us. We know that you are a God that extends your hand and heals. You are a supernatural God. You are a powerful God. You are more than enough. We know that you are a healer. We know that you are a deliverer. We know that you are a provider. We know that you are good. Your word says that you reward those who diligently seek you, Father, and we're grateful. We are your people called by your name. And right now we stand in unison and we thank you for supernatural healing that you release upon the people of God. Father, we thank you for supernatural healing for Lacey. We thank you for supernatural healing and restoration in a smooth procedure for Ken. Father, we thank you for full and total restoration for Anel. Father, we thank you for the life of Ricky Tejada that impacted so many of us and will continue to do so. Father, we thank you for the release of your favor and your blessing upon this church and every church in this city and around this region. Father, we know that you are calling for a time of revival and you are releasing your hand upon us. Father, in accordance and in alignment with the words declared by the apostles in Acts chapter 4, God, we're asking you for miracles. We're asking you to stretch forth your hand and heal. We're asking you to accompany the words that we declare, the message that we declare with the signs and wonders that defy natural law that defy the the laws of creation and release your nature as the creator upon us. You are in charge. You are in authority. And we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, we're warriors. We're warriors. We're enlisted in the army of God. And we've got to fight. This series we're launching today, I Am, is one of the most important series uh, I've ever spoken or taught upon. I'll share with you a story in just a moment of how this was forged. And it is all about your identity. It's all about your identity. We all have an idea or a concept of who we think that we are. Uh, When you meet someone new, we typically ask them, what do you do? And if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of thinking that what we do is who we are. We, in our current world, we see consistently, constantly, we hear a term called identity politics, that your political views are your actual identity. We we, we are in a a battle in, in our nation right now of horrific racial division. People thinking that the color of their skin is their actual identity. 
that their sexuality or their gender is their actual identity. It's a deception. It's a trick. It's surface. Do you think the color of your skin matters in heaven? Do you think your sexuality matters in heaven? It doesn't. I've heard it said we're all pink on the inside. Guys, we have to understand there's more to our identity than just what we see with our eyes. I, I, I've had a, a little bit of an issue. I never, I never, I didn't start out my life wanting to be a pastor. I know there are people that grow up and that's all they want to do is one day be a pastor when they grow up and I think they're crazy. I answered the call to ministry because I had to. I couldn't run from it any longer. I ran as long as I could. I spent 20 years saying, I'll never be a pastor. I'll never be a pastor. I'll never be a pastor. And I couldn't run anymore. My wife spent many years saying, I'll never marry a pastor. I'll never marry a pastor. I'll never marry a pastor. God tricked her. I do what I do because I'm called to. Because I can't not do it. Please God. But what I do is not who I am. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are a lot of people that don't have very good uh, opinions of a pastor. When I meet someone for the first time and they ask me what I do, I'm often reluctant to tell them. Because people treat me different. I, I went in and had a massage this week. I go to Massage Envy, have a little membership there, and I'll go. And, and, and I had this sweet 58-year-old lady that was working on me, and she was very talkative. I'm not there to have a conversation, ma'am. I'm here to relax. <laughs> talkative. I mean, talking, talking, giving me her opinions. And, and she was sweet, and, and she was very free with her thoughts and opinions in her Choice of language even was very free with it. About 30 minutes in, she says, well, so what do you do? And I told her, well, I, you know, this and that and whatever. And, and see, I, I've, I've learned the habit in my, so I, I typically tell people, what do you do? I say, well, I do a lot of things. Because I, I want someone to actually figure out if they like me or not before they find out that I'm a pastor a lot of times because I've had people that literally, I, I was at Rick's Chop House in downtown McKinney, walked in, saw a friend of mine. She was sitting with a guy, I don't know if they're on a date or whatever, and she goes, oh, this is my friend, Pastor Joel. And he says, Pastor, huh? You probably just want my money. The first meeting? I don't ask for your money till the second time, for crying out loud. <laughs> Oh my, I'm just rude, rude. The guy had a bad experience, apparently. He's about to have another one if he didn't shut his mouth. <laughs> my friend was horrified. I'm sure if that was a date, it was their last date because of how much of an idiot this guy was. So, so I typically tell people last. I'll, I'll say, well, I was a professional martial artist. I'm an author, a speaker, a business coach. I do a lot of different things. And at the end, I'll say, and my wife and I also you know, pastor a church in McKinney. That's how I do it. 
And I, and, I, and I began to do that because people would, would be, oh, wow, professional martial artist, well, author and a speaker. And, oh, oh, cool. and by the time I get to pastor, they're like, how do you, well, how do, you do all of that, right? It was, it's just a different approach and kind of a little end around, a little sneak attack. And, and hopefully they'll, you know, because people change the whole way they talk and treat me as soon as they find out what I do. So this little lady, she's like, well, for crying out loud, you got to give me some warning. I mean, I've been up here talking crazy this whole time. You got to give me some warning. You should start with that. Hi, I'm a pastor. Please behave yourself. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, what's the fun in that? I said, I want to find out who you really are. I don't want you to be fake around me. I've had people that were, I'm talking perverse, 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 talking crazy. Find out I'm a pastor. And then the, I mean, the, the sentence before was filled with lots of letters or words with four letters. And, and, and then the very next sentence is, oh, well, praise God, where's your church? And they flip to like, <laughs> just flip the channel to church talk. And I'm like, are you multiple personality or something? I mean, just like that. We all have an identity. We have an idea of who we think we are. And honestly, many times we can be insecure about who we think we are. There's been times in my life where I've heard myself saying, well, I'm just this or I'm just that. Can I tell you that the enemy that we fight against and you are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. The enemy that is raging for your soul, that Jesus says, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, the number one first place he attacks is your identity. First place. The first place. Because if he can get you on your heels, convinced you're not who you are, he'll have you walking around in insecurity, confused, and unable to fulfill who God has called you to be. So this word, this phrase, I am, is very important. I, I mentioned to you, and, I, and I'll tell you, every time I've done this series, the first time I did it was 20 years ago. Not this exact one, but, but just teaching about the revelation of that phrase, I am. Every time, I've come under tremendous attack. Last night, and, and, and I'm not a person that deals with fear or anxiety or nervousness. I'm a fighter and I come out swinging. But last night, paralyzing fear and anxiety. Could barely breathe. Spiritual. The Bible says that there is a spirit of fear. Fear is a demonic spirit, not just an emotion. It's a demonic spirit. We did an acoustic set. I'm telling you, this, this whole weekend's under attack. Jennifer was throwing up all night last night. Ate something funny, I guess. I don't know. Our drummer was sick. Had to change the whole worship set this morning. Last minute. Calling people at 6 a.m., waking them up, trying to find someone that could help and fill in and all that kind of stuff. The enemy doesn't want this stuff out. 
20 years ago, the first time, the night before, Saturday night, before I'm going to speak on the revelation of, of the words, I am. I had a demonic attack so intense, so strong. I had an experience that I'd never experienced before. If anyone that had had an experience like this had told me about them, I thought they were crazy or just making it up till it happened to me. I had an encounter where literally a demon came and I'm asleep and, and, and I was having the most horrific demonic dreams that, that I woke up from and I was literally it, it just, just in a place of just disgust and, couldn't, and I'm, I get up and I wash my face and I'm freaking out because of these dreams that I was having. Jennifer's asleep. And I wash my face and I'm trying to clear my head and I'm trying to pray and I lay back down and I get in bed and I literally, and I, 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 this might freak some of you out, but I'm going to tell it anyway because you need to understand that you're in a real war. Angels are real. Demons are real. They're all through the Bible. You're in a real war. You have a real enemy. Now your enemy's not human. Your enemy's not a politician. Your enemy can possess a politician or all politicians. I don't know. See, there I did it. See, just how people look at me because I'm a pastor and they judge me. I might look at someone else and we all do that sometimes. But if you can see them, they're not your real enemy because your enemy is spiritual. Bible says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against demons and principalities and, and spirits of authority that are in this earth. Satan, when he fell from heaven, he took one third of the angels. We don't know how many that is, but, but there are millions of fallen angels that are a part of the legions of the dark spiritual forces. But the good news is this. He only took one third which means we still outnumber him by double. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, the scripture says. If God is for you, who can be against you is what the scripture says. We have the upper hand, he's still outnumbered. So I'm laying there in bed and I'm praying and I'm trying to get this horrific visions and thoughts and dreams out of my head and I literally felt a presence wrap itself around me. And I felt the breath, and I heard the voice of this demonic assignment sent against me. And I heard him say, you can't make me leave. I've always been here. I've been here your whole life. I'll never go anywhere. Jumped up out of bed. I'm freaking out. Never had an experience like that before. Guys, can I tell you, you have a real enemy. You're in a real spiritual battle. And the battle is for your identity. Moses came face to face with the living God burning in a bush. God gave him an assignment. Told him to go to the people of Israel and to set them free. Moses' response was, who do I say sent me? 
In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, God says, you tell them, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God called himself, I am. It's the Hebrew word, hayah. It means existence, to be. It's, it's the sound of God's breath. Everything that is, is because God breathed and made a sound. And God gave his identity to Moses. He could have called himself anything else. But he gave Moses an identity. I am. Moses went, and the statement that he would make to declare the authority he had in the earth was I am. Jesus used those words many times. In this series, we will walk through the seven places where Jesus declared, I am, and gave a description. But just so you know, without any description that follows those two words, those two words alone are powerful. There is power in saying, I am. There was a time in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. Jesus says, who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he turns to them and says, I am. And they fell backwards and landed on their face with that one statement, I am. Another time, the Pharisees came to Jesus. And they were coming against his authority and saying that they were the children of Abraham. And Jesus responded to them and he said this, before Abraham was, I am. He declared himself God in that moment. There's power in the words, I am. The story in scripture. This is found in Matthew chapter 16. It says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Watch, watch. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus said, who do you say I am? 
And when Peter answered correctly and knew the identity of Jesus, Jesus responded and said, on that revelation, on that rock, I'll build my whole church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. The authority of heaven rests on the revelation of I am. Salvation comes through the revelation of I am. Who is Jesus really? See, this is the crucial difference between Christianity and any other twist or version of Christianity that acknowledges a portion of who Jesus is. He was a great teacher. He was a prophet. Oh, sure, sure, sure. He's the son of God, sure, but so is Satan and their brothers. That's the twist. The twist. Spent two hours on a plane with the best, most devoted, educated, articulate Mormon I've ever met in my life. Mormons are the nicest people on the planet, period. I was doing yard work in Plano. Yard work, mowing. Guy walks by, hey man, need some help? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm just mowing. You want, man, I'd love to help you, can I help? Mormon. <laughs> Nicest guy ever. The best, some of the best people ever. Here's the twist. They believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Jesus is actually the Archangel Michael, same person. What's wrong with that? The belief is, according to that, took me two and a half hours on the plane to get that truth out of her finally. We're the same, we're the same, we're the same, we're the same, we're the same. Not the same. You have your own book. I read your book. Your book says that it's superior to the Bible. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a difference. There's a difference. What's the difference? What's the di Two and a half hours, she finally tells me the difference. If you think that Jesus and Satan are equals, you've missed the whole picture. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. He's part of the triune oneness of God, the one of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one. The big miss. Many, many beliefs miss on the Holy Spirit. Oh, we believe the Holy Spirit. This is what she told me. The Holy Spirit is a really good spirit that was so good it got a really good job. But it's not God's spirit. It's a miss. Wonderful people. But there's a miss. Because if you don't believe that the Holy Spirit is actually God's own spirit, then you don't have God in you. And every scripture that talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory, the spirit living inside of you, you being the actual temple of the Holy Spirit, of the living God, every one of those is off now. It's the little bitty twist, guys, that we have to watch out for. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Nicer than you. 
They give 20% to the church. Gross. Or they don't get to show up on Sunday. My God, there might be three of us here. That was the rule. It's a lot. Different. The I am matters. Understanding who Jesus actually is matters. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Some people thought you were Elijah. Some people thought you were John the Baptist. Come back from the dead. But who do you say I am? If you miss this, you miss this. Seven times in scripture, Jesus said, I am in the book of John to describe who he was. I want to read you two of them today. John chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, the sheepfold was a pen that they would keep the sheep in. It could be a goat. It could be like a, like a fence. It could be like a shed or a shack, depending on how many sheep there were. It could be a cave. A lot of times when we were in Israel, there was an underground cave, the cave that they believe uh, potentially Jesus was um, you know, where the inn was and he was underneath with the animals, it would be like a cave that was under and there would be a building structure on top, but underneath would be a cave and there would be like a, like a gate or a fence there that would hold the sheep in and they would sleep with the sheep because they would stay warm in the winter. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, Jesus said, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. We're called all through Scripture, God's sheep. For they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration but they did not understand the things which he had spoken to them. And Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, he's making it more clear for them. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Many had come before Jesus claiming that they were Messiah. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except, watch, to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. You have a real enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But you have an adversary. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the great I am, the one and only Messiah, who says, I am the door to the sheep. I'm the door to the sheep. What does the door do? The door gives access. The door gives access. Or a door stops access. I'm glad I have doors on my house. Glad the doors have locks. I can let people in. I can keep people out. I also have lots of ammunition. By the way, some of you know, new law was passed in Texas. Praise God. 
constitutional carry. Carry your guns. Guns on one side, Bibles on the other. That's how we do it. It's called Texas. <laughs> we, we do, I just, I'm going to make this quick announcement for the, for the benefit of our security team. We understand, look, I believe in a building full of good people with guns. Praise the Lord. Many of you bring them anyway. But please, we do have a professional certified security team. Please communicate with the security team and make sure that you're in agreement so that you are not foreseen as a bad person in a bad situation and they, are, they practice more than you do potentially. So just saying, glad we have those rights. It's wonderful. I may or may not have one right now. Um, all right, praise the Lord. Let's move on. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the door, another one says. Jesus gives us access to everything good that God has. He's not here to keep us out. He keeps the enemy out. He's here to let us in and give us access. He goes on to say this in John 10, next couple verses. He says again, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. Doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own, as my father knows me. Even so, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not yet of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects the sheep, provides for the sheep. He leads them to the place that they need to be. He guides them every step of the way. A shepherd in this day and age carried two different types of tools. He had a giant crook, the shepherd's the crook that you've seen or a staff that you've seen that had the, it was long and it had the hook on it. He could guide the sheep with it. He could rescue them out by using that hook to pull them up out of uh, nooks and crannies. Sheep and goats are mischievous and they do things and get themselves in precarious situations. All they think about is eating. I was riding my mountain bike out. We live out in the country, and I, we have a little goat uh, farmer across the road from us, and I rode past, and I saw one of his goats had its head stuck in a gate, in a fence, and he was going bonkers trying to get out, Meh, going nuts trying to get out. And I felt bad, so I walk up on the property and knock on the door, and that's something you do very, very carefully in the country. Because they all have guns and ammo in the country. We don't have a lot of crime out there because everyone knows. I wonder if there's guns in there. Yes, there are. Everyone knows. So I knock on the door and back away with my hands exposed. <laughs> I'm like, I, hey, you got a goat over here. And I, you know, I mean, he's freaking, he's stuck in the fence. And, and the, the lady says, oh, my husband's out riding the property. You know, he'll be back in just a second. And sure enough, I walk out and he's riding up on his horse big old gun on his hip, just, just Western style, man, We're just rocking it. He goes, oh yeah, that dumb goat. He goes, I'll get his head out and it'll be back in there in five minutes later. Just dumb. <laughs> he goes, I'll tell you, I'll pull his head out. He'll be stuck again in five minutes. Dumb. 
So when you, if, you, if you ever have any warm and fuzzy feelings about God calling you sheep, don't. Because <laughs> it means you're helpless. More, oh my God. Jesus constantly said, how long must I be with them? Please, can I go back to heaven now? <laughs> oh, it's the good shepherd. See, but a lot of times we don't realize that the shepherd carried another stick. David described it, he said, describing the good shepherd. He said in that, in that passage in Psalms, I believe 23, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says that his rod and his staff, they comfort me. See, the shepherd had another, another tool. He had the staff and he had the rod. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That's why we believe in spanking. It's in your Bible. It says if you don't spank your child, you hate them. Your Bible says that. It says if you'll spank them, you won't kill them. You'll drive evil from them. I heard it said one time, do not hit your child in the face for the Lord has provided a better place. <laughs> See, the rod was a stick about yay long with a big like ball on the end that had like, it, it had like sharp pointy objects coming off of it. It, it, was, it, was, it was a weapon. When the Bible says that David said that he killed a lion and a bear, and he said, I chased the lion down and grabbed it by its mane and struck it and killed it. He wasn't punching it on the nose. See, in the New Living Translation, it says, I grabbed him by the beard and I clubbed him to death, is what the New Living Translation says. David had a rod as a shepherd. He understood your God, sometimes it may seem like he talks softly, but he carries a very big stick. He's your protector. He's your provider. He is a good shepherd. He's a good, good father. See, even saying that, there are people that have a really hard time with thinking of God as a father because when they think of a father, they don't think of something good. They didn't have a good experience with the father. Might have had a brutal experience, an abusive experience. An experience where they, they couldn't trust anything. He would never show up for them. And when they try to relate to God as a father, there's a massive roadblock. In their heart and in their faith because they haven't had a, an experience that was pleasant or pleasing or would build their faith whatsoever. How could I count on a heavenly father when my natural father left me, cursed me, told me I'd never amount to anything? You have a good father, a loving father, a nurturing father, a father who is the gate, who is the door. He opens the way for you to enter paradise. He opens the way for you to come in and have access to everything good. A father who is your good shepherd. He protects and provides. He watches out for you. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. Even in moments where it feels like he wasn't there and it feels like he failed you, he didn't. He knows something you don't know. He's letting you walk through something that he knows will make you better and stronger in the long run if you'll just trust him anyway. Good shepherd. 
Tomorrow is the beginning of a Jewish holiday called Rosh Hashanah. It's the beginning of the Jewish New Year. Every year I do a teaching and I talk about the meaning and the symbolism behind the year. In Jewish culture and history, it's not the year 2021 to them. That is part of the Gregorian calendar. That's a Roman calendar. The Jews have a more ancient calendar. Tomorrow is the beginning of the year 5782, 5782, almost 6,000 years of experience, human experience in the Jewish calendar. 5782. In the Jewish alphabet, every letter is a number. Every letter is a number, but it's also a picture. It's a word. It, it, it was a, it's a hieroglyph. And so 5782 actually is not just four numbers side by side, it's four pictures side by side. And the pictures have a meaning. And it represents something that God wants to prophetically release over his people in this year. Tomorrow is the beginning of the new year. Happy new year to you. But I want you to see the image they're going to put on the screen for me so that I can show you the symbolism. And you can understand, hopefully you can see this from where you are. The number five is the letter that's pronounced hey. And it represents, it's the symbol of a door. Access. The Lord, I am the door for the sheep. It represents an opportunity that you have. The seven is the Zion. And the Zion is a sword, actually tipped down, hilt up, tipped down, is a sword. And it represents authority. Divine, godly authority. The next symbol, eight, is the chet. Chet is a fence, a gate. It represents something that exists to protect life. So far we have a door, we have an opportunity, we have access, we have God's divine authority, and we have a fence, a gate, a wall, that is there to protect life. The two is the second letter in the alphabet, it is the bet. It's where we get alpha, bet. Aleph is the first letter. Bet is the second letter, alphabet. Bet is the symbol for a house. Watch, watch. Four symbols, four numbers, four words. It represents, 5782 represents a year of, a, of opportunity for God's divine authority to protect your life and your house. Tell me how appropriate that is for 2021 and 2022. Now watch this. It's not just your house, it's God's house. We're about to close on this building and own this building, this is God's house. Okay? God's property. He's going to protect it. Many churches shut down last year. Some never to reopen. States all across our union. Many are still not letting churches meet. 
Pastors are having to fight in court to be able to meet. God is going to protect and defend his house. He's going to protect and defend your house. He is the door. He is the good shepherd. I want you to write this down, this statement, this phrase. The year of God's authority to protect your life and your house. Text God's life in you. God's house that you gather in. See, when you hear and you understand the prophetic destiny, it gives you courage and confidence. Because right now, many people are in a place of fear. There are people that, that I mean, and for God, for good reasons. I was at a funeral yesterday. It's horrible. Terrific. Good people. I mean, it, it's, it's one thing to be in a ceremony and celebrate someone's life and it was timely. It's another thing when they're 57 and they're the best Christian you've ever met in your life. And you're dealing with the emotion of, should have been me, not them. Because they're way better than me. God, why? It doesn't make any sense. But God knows what he's up to. And I'm telling you, he's down in the horn, and he's calling us to battle. He's calling us to war. We can't be passive and fulfill the call of God in our lives. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Texas Rangers had a really cool peacemaker they carried. Called a Colt 45. See, sometimes peace only has access because of strength. Jesus is not a pacifist. Pacifists don't go into the temple, turn over the tables and crack whips everywhere, and turn the money over and chase everybody out and set up their own authority in the house. Jesus wasn't a pacifist. He was a powerful, powerful leader. And he's your gate, good shepherd. This statement of understanding the I am releases God's authority in your life. When I was standing in my bedroom after having that horrific, tormenting spiritual moment, hearing the words, I'd never, I'd never felt a demon's presence before in my life. Some of you might think I'm stinking nuts. That's okay, I'll risk it because I thought other people were nuts until I lived it. I had been molested when I was about six by a cousin. <clears throat> that was the moment that that spirit gained access to my life. It had tormented me my whole life. It tried its best to steal my identity. See, when you're a boy, and a man molests you, messes with your head. So I had to fight for my identity. I had to fight for who I was. And there was a demonic assignment sent to steal my identity. 
tormented me my whole life. I didn't know it was there. I didn't know what it was. But when I'm laying there and I hear this voice after having this experience, and it says, I've been here your whole life. I'll never leave. You can't make me leave. You know who I am. Said to me. And I was standing there in my bedroom and I was shivering. I was shaking because of the, how, how, how tormenting that moment was. Jennifer's still asleep. That's the biggest miracle. A, a cricket could chirp and Jennifer wakes up. Jennifer slept through this whole thing. And when he said that phrase, do you know who I am? Something flipped inside of me. And I literally said out loud, I'm talking out loud. I literally said, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Do I know who you are? No. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the king. I'm the chosen, I'm a chosen one of the most high God. I have been made righteous in him. I am pure in him. I am holy in him. I am powerful in him. Do I know who you are? Do you know who I am? You have no authority in my house. You have no access to this room. You have no place in my life. You will not do this to me ever again, ever again. And I went to the kitchen and I got olive oil and I anointed every window and, and I'm talking, I am praying. I'm like warring in the spirit. Jennifer never woke up. This is unbelievable. Never woke up. And guess what? I never had that experience ever again in the way that I'd had it. It was a tormenting, molesting spirit. It plagued me my whole life for over 20 years up into that date. And I took authority over it, and I broke its grip that night, and I never dealt with it ever again. Power of the I am. You know who God says you are. Jesus said, who do you say I am? I want you to stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. I'm gonna pray over you, and I'm gonna release this anointing upon your life. I'm going to read this to you. This is from my journal this morning. I, I, I don't often share the exact words the Lord is saying to me, but this is what I wrote in my prayer journal this morning. This is a word from God. He said, this is a warfare season. In the spirit, dial in and connect to me in a new and holy way. Close doors that allow easy access to the devil. Fast, pray, connect to me. I am moving and speaking, revealing and releasing. This is a miracle season. Dial it in. I am your good shepherd. I carry a very big stick. I am your door to all things good and pleasing. I will pour myself out on you and on you and in you. But you must purify and prepare and empty yourself to receive. Empty your vessel, open your heart all the way in all things. I love you. I am with you always to the end of the earth and the beginning of all things new. Tell my people to prepare for my visitation. Are you listening, Oaks Church? Tell my people to prepare for my visitation.
I am coming and I will walk among them. I will walk through their ranks and I will select those for promotion. Live ready. I am coming soon. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just lift your hands and receive that word that he spoke? He is your good shepherd. He is your door. He's calling you to warfare. He's calling you to prayer. He's calling you to dial in. He's calling you to connect to him in a deeper way, in a stronger way. He's coming to walk among you. He's looking for whom he can promote. Will it be you? Will you be ready? He's marked you with his name. I am. I am. Somebody say that with me right now. I am. Say it again. I am. Say this with me. Say, I am pure. Because he made me pure. I am righteous. Because he made me righteous. I am holy. Because he made me holy. Not of myself. It's all him. I am victorious. I am powerful. Because he is powerful. And he is victorious. I am a conqueror. Because he is a conqueror. I am an overcomer. Because he's an overcomer. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am not afraid. I am bold. I am powerful. I am full of authority. I will not back down. Father, in the name of Jesus, release your spirit of boldness upon Oaks Church. Release your spirit of authority upon Oaks Church. Father, draw us into this time of prayer, of fasting, of consecration, of devotion. Father, we ask you to come. Just as you have declared, come. Just as you have spoken, you will come. Father, you'll find us ready. Walk amongst us as you've said. Release your authority, your miraculous power upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated for just one more moment. I'm going to I'm going to challenge you for just a second to go with me on the journey that I mentioned to you early on. Tomorrow is Rosh Hashanah. It is the beginning of the Jewish New Year. They celebrate for 2 days. They blow a horn, a ram's horn 100 times. They light little candles. They eat specific foods. And they rest. And it's a symbolic holiday in their, in their hearts and minds and in their faith where every single life of every human being comes before the presence of God and God looks at every single person's life and determines their future for that year. That's the belief. Now, you don't have to blow any horns. If you want to honk your Volvo, that's fine. You don't have to light any candles. It's not, it's, you're not becoming Jewish. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. But it's, it's a season of observance for a very specific reason. Because 10 days after Rosh Hashanah is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. 
That was the one day of the year that the high priest could take the sacrifice of the innocent blood and come into the holy place and then into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was and he had to wear a jingle bell on his ankle because, and he would kind of dance as he would go in and he had a rope tied to his ankle because if the jingle bell stopped, they knew he wasn't a holy high priest and he had been struck dead in the presence of the living God. And they had to drag him out. This is in your Bible. They had to drag him out by the rope and get the backup high priest and he better be holy because you're going in next, Bubba. One day of the year, the Day of Atonement, and they would pour the innocent blood of the Lamb on top of what was called the mercy seat, the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant, there were three witnesses that were the sins against God's people. It was the manna that God fed them with in the, in the wilderness, the bowl of manna. It was the staff of uh, of uh, Aaron, uh, Moses' brother that had budded and produced almonds. A dead staff came to life and budded and produced edible almonds. And the third thing inside of there was the Ten Commandments that they broke all ten of all the time. And it was the symbol of God's judgment of why he should kill them all. But the innocent blood poured over the mercy seat. The lid was such, such pure gold that it was translucent. You could see through it, it was such pure gold. And what that represented, the covering of the blood, was that God from heaven would look down and instead of seeing his reason to judge the people, he would see the blood of an innocent lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world. So this is a serious season in God's calendar. On the 20th is the beginning of Sukkot. Sukkot is the holiday, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's where they would celebrate for 10 days that they had been released and set free. Actually, pardon me, seven days. It was 10 days of the Day of Atonement. That they had been released and set free from Egypt and they lived in tents in the wilderness. And so Jews all across the world during Sukkot will go out in the backyard and they'll have a little shack put up with, with sticks across the top. And they live outside and they cook and they eat outside. And it's all to remember that God rescued them out of slavery. It's exactly 21 days starting tomorrow to the end of the Feast of Tabernacles. 21 days on God's calendar that are incredibly connected to what he's wanting to do in your life in the beginning of this new year. The Day of Atonement, that, that, that his people are forgiven, which we understand it's now not because of an innocent lamb that's, a, that's an animal, it's because of the innocent lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who took away the sins of the, of the world. And then there's the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm asking you to join me in 21 days of dedicated prayer just to observe this season. You don't have to do any Jewish practices at all. It's, it's important. We don't, I, I, we don't, it's important to recognize that if it's important to God, it should be important to us somehow, right? That's all, that's all. If it's important to him, I, I've heard it said. In fact, our pastor, uh, my pastor Mike Hayes said many, many years, if Jesus, or pardon me, when Jesus comes back, it'll probably be in September. So if you're gonna mess around, live crazy, maybe get right for September, because when he comes back, it's gonna be probably, because he follows the calendar, right? That's a funny little thing, and there's no way to actually prove exactly that, but there's some biblical backing to it. But it's a good time for us to take the first 21 days of this Jewish New Year 
that now we, rep we understand it represents an open door for God's authority to protect your life and specifically your house in God's house, amen? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna send out, if you're on the social media, we're gonna put out our Oaks Church Texas social media. Every single day for the next 21 days, we're gonna put out a verse and we're gonna ask you to pray this verse with us and let's all be in agreement, okay? We'll put it on the text message. We can put out an email. Um, if, you wanna, if you're not on our text alert, you wanna go on our website and click that uh, button to get on our text alert and you can make sure that you're getting all the updates. But I want you to do something with me right now. I want you to set an alarm in your phone for 6, 11 p.m. You can do it in the morning if you want to, but 6, 11 p.m., I want your phone to go off I do this still, my friend Phil does this with me. This is something we did uh, back at the first of the year when we were getting ready to do our, um, our Unstoppable campaign, it was a spiritual journey that we went on and we set an alarm for 611. Our church was founded on Isaiah 61, verse one, two and three. So 61, one is the very first verse that God gave us as a verse we're starting this church. It's the verse that says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the good news, to heal the brokenhearted and to set those that are captive free. That's a great verse. And that's the first verse that we're going to start praying. But in your phone, if you'll just set an alarm, 6, 11 p.m. And when that alarm goes off, stop whatever you're doing and pray the verse that we, that we send you together. That's all I'm asking. It's not too crazy. But if we could just as a church come together in unity, for the next 21 days, if you want to add something that you want to fast and separate yourself from, a habit or a hobby or something that you have eaten or whatever, that's wonderful. Follow, follow the Holy Spirit and do that as well if the Lord leads you. But would you join with us and let's for 21 days at 6, 11 p.m. every day, would you join with me and pray? Can we do that as a church? I'm believing God wants to release miracles among us in a massive and in a powerful way. Can we do that together? And all of you online can do that with us as well. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for your time, for your commitment, for being with us as a part of Oaks Church. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Brandon. We'll call it a day. Thank you for your time. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.